Okay. All right. I think we're live. Okay. Hello. 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 Hi. Uh, we are the Road Killers Podcast. We haven't done this in a little while. Um, a minute. Yeah. Uh, so this is basically like a redo of an episode that we already did. Audio still bugged, uh, yeah. but we got, I guess it's kind of fixed now. So this is uh, that episode redone again. Yeah, because we filmed it in the car, but it just didn't sound right. So yeah, refilming it at the Airbnb in Arizona. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, this is for Missouri. Misery. All right. Desiree, let's get into it. All right. So today we're going to cover a serial killer named Murray Travis, or sometimes he's called the Streetwalker Strangler or the Videotape Killer. Right. Which I prefer the name Videotape Killer. It's It's a, yeah, it's a good, it's a good title. Okay. So Murray Travis was Born on October 25th, 1965 in St. Louis, Missouri, which we actually passed through St. Louis and we had no idea. Yeah. yeah Not it, was, it was like a quick little drive through. Like you didn't even notice it. Nope. Yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> it's it's kind of like a small little rinky dink town. Yeah. For being a big town. Not what we expected. Yeah, for being a city. <laughs> lived in the square public housing complex that was just northwest of downtown St. Louis. Once he was old enough, he attended public school there from 1971 to 1975. And when he was 10, him and his family moved into a ranch house in Ferguson, Missouri. But two years later, his mom and dad got divorced. Detectives will later look into his childhood, but they're unable to find any childhood trauma abuse head injuries like anything that will possibly trigger his later actions uh be careful looking at those pictures okay i was like because yeah anyways so overall he seemed to have like a good childhood uh nothing crazy happened that seemed to be the the trigger trigger. um and he loved his mom very much his mom eventually goes on to remarry and then a few years later again divorced his neighbors described him as a quiet and respectful young boy they said that he would even come over and mow their lawns without him being asked his teachers said that he was unusually quiet and seemed very withdrawn he was described and by classmates, he was uh, described as forgettable. Ouch. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not really the way you want to be yeah. described as. Um, but mostly they, they just said that if they saw a picture of him, they probably wouldn't. They wouldn't think anything n- They wouldn't know his name, if that makes sense, even though they went to school with him. Right. 
So at some point as a teen, he said that he would begin to fantasize about killing and he began killing pests. And at one point he even killed his neighbor's dog. Send him to therapy. Which I feel like, uh, as, as we've already talked about, but like that's where yeah. it, it seems to like be the start with like most people who kill people. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, they killed like the dog or they killed the cat or they killed like squirrels outside. They started just like killing things. Yeah. So, so then in 1985, he graduates high school where he served two years in the Army Reserve. Um, and he worked as a medical and dental assistant. And after he starts attending a college in Atlanta, in college, he developed a $300 a day cocaine addiction. And then in March of 1988, he came back home for spring break and he, and he was short on cash. So he goes in, so he goes on to rob five shoe stores in eight days. And police find and arrest him based on his car description, and he pleads guilty and told that the judge that he barely even remembered these robberies because he was so strung out. He then was sentenced to 15 years in prison, and even police at this time said that he was quiet, respectful, and he didn't seem like your typical criminal. So, Travis goes to prison, and he hates it. Absolutely hates it. By design. Like you're not you're not supposed to enjoy your time in prison. Yeah. It's not. Maybe don't rob five shoe stores and you won't end up yeah. in prison. Yeah. Just I I don't know. Don't do things that wind you up in prison. I I think I think that's pretty easy to like stay out of. Yeah. 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 That's fair. So he hates it so much that he sends a judge a three-page letter pleading for them to say that or pleading for them to reconsider his sentence. In this letter, he says that the conditions are tormenting. He complains about the living qualities, being cramped, and the food. He even says that he would have committed suicide on the first day if his cellmate hadn't been so kind. (laughs) So, not completely sure if this letter had any impact, uh, but regardless, Travis gets paroled in 1994, where he moved into a duplex, and in the other side of the duplex was a single woman named Linda who even said that she never had a single problem with him living beside her. She And she didn't have a single bad thing to say about him. He was quiet. He was respectful. Same thing that all these other right. people said. But in 1998, he was arrested for violating his parole due to drug possession. And then after being released, he moved to Ferguson, Missouri, a quiet middle-class suburb outside of St. Louis. The house was owned by his mom, and he lived there with his girlfriend. And at the time, he was working as a waiter in a hotel restaurant. At some point during this time, Travis began going to a place called The Stroll in St. Louis, and he began picking up sex workers. At first, he would take them home into his basement. He would turn on his camera, and in the first... uh, few videos he was just seen doing drugs with them smoking crack and you know they would do their services and he would pay them and they would leave but then he starts escalating and on july 31st 2000 the body of 61 year old mary shields was found strangled and thrown into a ditch in east st louis this is believed to be travis's 
first victim, police were unable to get much evidence off of her. I say props on Mary. Like, 61. 61. Yeah, 61, and she's still a prostitute. Like, you know, go get it. It's cool. Um... So there weren't more murders for almost a year, and this is probably because I think he went back to prison, but despite the, yeah, Yeah. so there wasn't anything for like a year. And then on April 1st, 2001, the body of Alyssa Greenwade, 34, was found in Washington Park, thrown in a ditch, and she had been strangled, and they found ligature marks on her wrist and her ankles. They found a tire impression near her body which was photographed and believed to be a Ridgestone Potenza tire. And over the next six months, the police found five more bodies of known sex workers, all strangled, tortured, and having ligature marks. The victims were identified as Teresa Wilson, 36, 46-year-old Betty James, 36-year-old Veronica Thompson, 50-year-old Yvonne Cruz, and 33-year-old Brenda Beasley. All of these victims were thrown on the side of the roadways. One of these victims, on one of these victims, Betty James, Betty Jones, sorry, mm. <laughs> they found tire impressions, which was, they found a tire impression, which was believed to be from a Goodrich Advantage tire, and even though it was different from the one that they found on Alyssa Greenway, they still thought that it was the same person. So on two other victims, rape, rape test kits were ran, and they found DNA, and it was the same DNA, but they were unable to match it with anyone. Like anything in Kodos. Yeah. Yeah. So they believe that it was, they had to be the work of one person since they were all committed in the same manner and disposed of in the same manner. Mm-hmm. Police believe this person was hiring these women, you know, kind of, like saying that he was going to pay for their services they would go with him he would take them to a secondary location where then he would keep them for a few days torture them kill them dispose of them so these crimes stopped for a few months so the st louis police went to the fbi and they asked for help they sent all the information over to the behavioral science unit at quantico so the profiles profilers could get them a profile and bob morgan was the behavioral profiler working on this case he said that the murders would would be hard to solve since there was no connections to the suspects and the victims except for a transaction he said that because the crime between races he thought that the perpetrator would be black since all the victims were which i didn't know that was a thing um basically Apparently, if the victims are, like, for example, white, then the perpetrator is usually white. Right. Same with like, majority. Yeah. Yeah. So, he also said that he was probably proud of himself and thinks that he thinks that he's better than er- everyone. He likes attention. And he would not purposely expose himself. Then, in January to March of 2002... Police found three women's skeletons in ditches, um, but they were unable to identify any of them. Police then go to media, and they give the profile that they had, and they begin asking the public for help or any information. 
and on May 19, 2002, the St. Louis Dispatch ran a newspaper article on one of the victims, Teresa Wilson. Basically, they were just trying to bring light to who she was as a person, Mm -hmm. since a lot of times sex workers are just kind of, it's not taken seriously. So they're just trying to, you know. Give her a name. Yeah, Yeah. humanize her. Yeah. So Travis sees this. He doesn't like it. Um, And, you know, he just doesn't like that. So he decides that he wanted to send a letter taunting the writer who wrote it. So he sends a letter saying, Dear Bill, nice sob story about Teresa Wilson. Write one about Green Wade. Write a good one, and I'll tell you where many others are. To prove I'm real, here's directions to number 17. Search in a 50-yard radius from the X. Put the story in the Saturday, the Sunday paper like the last. And then also with this little letter, he, uh, he had printed off a map and had, like, wrote an x on it right an x marks the spot yeah yeah he was having a little arts and crafts project so this letter sent to the person who wrote this article and then this letter gets turned over to the police and they at first they're kind of like bah this doesn't seem real so they go to the area they search and sure enough they find a skeleton of a woman and Are you about to pull a picture of the skeleton? No. Okay, good. I didn't know what you were about to pull up. No, I don't. I think I might have skipped a line in that. Skipped did I say 17? Yeah. Oh, I did? I don't know. For some reason, I felt like I didn't read that. Okay. No, no, you, were, you read it all. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Victim, here's, a, like here's a map to number 17. Okay. Okay. Go to the where the X marks the spot and then like search within a 50-mile yeah, radius. Yeah, for some reason, I, I just felt like I skipped over that part. Yeah. Okay, so anyways, at this point, police are pretty concerned, and they, they know that the letter is real because they did find they a body. Find a body. And it also says that he literally said that he had 17 victims, and at this point, with the body that they just found, they only have 11. So, th- you know, they're concerned. So they look into this letter, and the return address said, I thrilled him which they looked it up and it was a bondage website and it also said on it new york but the postmarket the post the postmark yeah yeah whenever it runs through the the plants it gets like a little um stamp up at the top wherever the stamp is and it'll tell you where it was ran through like the closest facility yeah so it was from st louis and so this map was given to a forensic computer like person like a super smart techie person a nerd (laughs) okay and so this person goes on to spend days trying to figure out what site the map was printed on from and after days of searching he found that it was printed from expedia.com so they contact expedia and they asked to have access of who looked at this specific map between May 19th when the article was posted to the 21st when the letter was received. So they they look and crazy enough only one person had looked at this specific map. map. 
So they then were able to go on to find his IP address and found a screen name linked to this, which was MSN forward slash Murray Travis. Very creative. Yeah. If we're going to we murder people, names. let's uh, yep. pick a, use our a, actual name. a better <laughs> name, idiot. At least now you can use a VPN. So. Well, yeah. He's obviously very not techie no. at all. So they then look up his name. And they find an address. And on June 7th, 2002, police show up at this address and they knock. Murray Travis and his girlfriend open up the door. Travis was obviously groggy. He was just woke up and he's still in his boxers. And the first thing he says to police is, it's seven in the morning. Why are you here so early? Sorry. Right. Yeah. Should have let you sleep in. My bad. Yeah. He knows. So police just tell him, they're like, you you know why we're here. And he just, he just shakes his head and goes, yeah. Okay. So police enter with the house with a warrant and said that it was a very normal house. Everything seemed very Right. Put together. Yeah. Yeah. Your typical misery. Type of house. Yeah. Usual house. So they begin talking to him and and during this, the entire time he's deflecting everything. If police ask him, So where did you grow up? He would be like, I don't know, where'd you grow up? If they'd be like, What would you do as a child? He'd be like, School, what did you do? Just Right. Anything to get the attention off of him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So during this, he never admits to anything, and he seems mostly invested in how they were even able to find him. Eventually, they tell him that they tracked him through his computer, and he obviously becomes very frustrated. He starts, like, cursing, like, dang, internet, you know? Yeah. Like, he's mad. Right, that he slipped up. Yeah. Yeah. So, he's then taken in to be questioned, and police begin searching his house. Oh. Columbus. Okay. Okay. So, the police, they go down to the basement, and they find all types of stuff. They find his computer, which he had multiple drafts of his letter Mm -hmm. that was sent to... Right, his very short, short letter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they also find women's wigs, shoes. They find a stun gun and a bag of ligature straps, stockings, like a whole torture kit. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, they also find that the basement was spattered in blood. There was blood on the ceilings, the walls, the doors, the carpet, all over the furniture. And they even found that he would literally go get paint, paint over the blood on the wall. Mm-hmm. So they found like layers of. Oh, it was paint, blood, paint, blood, paint, paint, blood. Yeah. So, (laughs) after testing this blood, they found that it was from at least six different women. And they also found plans to expand this basement torture chamber. He was planning on making two cells where he could hold multiple victims at the same time. And most disturbing of all... They found out that he had recorded himself abusing at least six different women. Only 
one woman, one woman on these tapes were able to be identified. And in these videos, he would bring the women in, make them do drugs with him, where he would then cover their eyes with duct tape. He would tie them to a pole that he had in his basement. He would physically torture them and verbally berate them. And he would keep them and do this for literally days. So in one of these videos, it was titled, quote, Your Wedding Day. He is seen torturing a woman. He reenacts BDSM fantasies he had before putting a belt around this woman's neck, strangling her until she died. He then looks at the camera and says, this is my first kill. Number one, first kill was 19 years old. Name, I don't know, and I don't give a F. <laughs> so this is this is the type of guy that he is. So police say that everyone who watched this video had to go get therapy. It was so bad. They also found two cars in the driveway, which matched the two tire prints at the two separate crime scenes. And police go to interrogate Travis, and their main focus was trying to get more information about more victims since he had claimed that he had 17 at least yeah right so they interrogate him for eight hours they ask him about his childhood trying to just understand his behavior behavior and travis tells him that he they would never understand him and ever since he's been born he's been like this investigators tell him about what they found in his basement and he's just like yeah i figured you'd find it just so casual and they said that he seemed to have absolutely no remorse and refused to tell them anything about any more of his victims so at some point travis asked if he can have a pop to drink which they give him and whenever he's finished with this pop, they take the can and they take it and they, as yeah. if they didn't have enough. Right. Uh, proof on them. Like enough evidence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They take it. They swab for DNA. And this DNA was the DNA that was found on the two Rick victims. Case. Yeah. So he tells police that he is absolutely not going back to prison. So because of this, or they, they put him in a cell. And plan to question him further later. After they like compiled all their evidence. Mm -hmm. And then they were just going to interrogate him some more. So because of this comments that he was making. Telling them that he's absolutely not going back to prison. They put him on suicide watch. Where an officer would come in to the cell. And check on him every 15 minutes. And on June 10th. Two of these checks were missed. And when they checked on him again. He was found hanging in his room in his cell with a pillowcase over his face and his hands tied behind his back. He also left a suicide note that was apologizing to his mom and telling her he was sorry. So unfortunately, any information of any more victims uh, died with him that day. But yeah. yeah. And police believe that he murdered between 12 to 20 women but the actual number is still unknown to this day it's unknown because the guy's dead yeah so you kind of can't yeah it's sad that um 
this was solved and unfortunately nobody has to serve any time for it. It's like the what second one that we've had like that? Yeah. Yeah. The last one that we did. Yeah, I mean Yeah, victims twelve to seventeen and up. Yeah. Yeah. They are they're really unsure. Which is like that's a lot for the span of two years. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, they were finding so many bodies in, like, like a month. Yeah. Like, it was crazy. They weren't finding, like, I I don't know. How many, many, like, skeletons did they find? What would you say, like, three, two? Yeah, they found three unidentified skeletons, but there were more women in these videos that they were unable to identify. Oh, they couldn't even find them. Yeah. Oh. Like, they weren't. Able to match them the, to the to, to the corpses, yeah, because yeah. they weren't sure who these women were. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. So the actual number, nobody knows. Yeah. I I do the the other. The other name, by state strangler, not a fan. I don't like that one. <laughs> yeah, videotape killer. Yeah, I. I don't know. Honestly, like looking at him, like he looks like a, a complete, normal guy. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to say, like, you know, unsuspecting. But, yeah, he looks unsuspecting. I mean, and, like, pretty much everybody said that anyways. They were kind of like, I, yeah, he just. Yeah. He he's just, a dude. He just looks I like a normal know. guy. Yeah. Just slides under the radar. Not concerning. Yeah. So, I don't know. All right. Well, I guess, uh, I guess that wraps up videotape killer that wraps up the videotape killer okay um how do we close out (laughs) um you can let us know what you thought of the today's podcast um on instagram at desert foreman or elijah x allen x or road killers dot pod um and then and then our email and you also have our email if we missed out on anything, just let us know. Uh, and we'll look into it. But that is roadkillers.podcast at gmail.com. Um, yeah. I guess. Thanks it. for listening. Yeah. Thanks. See you next time. All right. Bye.